Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome along to the Nile or Nine podcast. It's Niall and Andrea here talking about new music and sharing uh, some news and some albums this week. We've got a lot of albums to discuss. It's a, it's that kind of week. Um, Andrea Cleary is here with me. Hello, how are we? How are we doing? Very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, good. We've had a good week so far. Yeah, lots of um, albums, lots of music. Yeah, I went to see James Holden last week at a, uh, in the Sugar Club. It was kind of like, uh, his album has been described as... Um, Folk trance, which is a really bad description, cool. <laughs> but it was great. It was a really, really great gig. I I sat on the floor at yeah. the Sugar Club uh, down the front and uh, watched a very cool gig. Yeah. It was really nice, really, really nice. It he's, was actually, he's kind of a quirky character. Uh, yeah, um, it was it was really cool. He had himself and uh, a couple of people playing brass and wind instruments, and uh, you don't get enough. A percussion guy who was like had that thing that you like swing around your head and doesn't seem to make any discernible noise <laughs> but adds vibes yeah. um, but it was real cool it was like vibes everywhere yeah it was like electronic kind of psychedelic jazzy um, music it was real cool very good Homby put it on it was a great gig God. Uh, very much enjoyed it and uh, then on Sunday I went to see the No Encore podcast um, live in the Workman's Club with uh, they had guests like Paddy Hanna and Leela Bargan and uh, it was a good vibe. Good I'd vibe. like to publicly apologise to No Encore Boys for not being able to make it because I was sick. And I am actually raging that yeah, I didn't go. you were go. sick. So I was, I was sick. You were sick, right? I was, I was mad sick, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, good on the lads. Heard it was great. So what else has been going on this week? Uh, well, one thing that happened is uh, it's Wednesday night currently at the moment. Um, Dream Wife are playing a band, are playing in the Workman's Club, I believe, tonight. Um, and something that they did in the last week caused an unexpected stir. Was it um, unexpected? It was to me. Okay. Um, yeah, I thought, we, I, thought, I thought we'd moved on a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not. Um, so last uh, one, as part of their tour... 
um, their current tour. They've been they put an out an open call for female and non-binary artists to support them first of all, um, and then last week they put out a call for female identifying and non-binary persons, including sound engineers, promoters, producers, tour managers, managers, to contact them. Um, I think. The plan was it wasn't entirely clear at first why why they were issuing. An yeah, open it was call. it wasn't stated. Um, but it seemed to got a lot of lads on the internet very upset. The lads didn't like this at all, did they? No, no. Um, I was very surprised in a way. I just it was expect wasn't expecting such a, a vehement reaction to something like this, where um, you know clearly there's a lot less uh, women and female musicians on stage or. Behind the stage, mm. especially behind the scenes, and yeah, it's I can't understand. It was like all these lads on the internet who left comments in the nine nine group, who seem, seemed very um, threatened by the fact that Dream Wife were trying to give an opportunity to people who maybe don't have that opportunity. Like, yeah, if I think about it here, and I know I think there's three Irish female sound engineers that I know of. Okay, I think there's three. That's not many. No, <laughs> and there's there's more, um, a couple of more managers, and but it, like generally speaking, representation is pretty low. Is pretty fucking low. Like it's probably in this country like less <laughs> than five percent female, or and and then like that's just female managers or female behind the scenes people, like non non binary people and trans people. Don't get a look in at all. I was starting to wonder if this was just you know was it the the non-binary thing that was upsetting them as well. I, I think so. I think that people now have this issue with, like, it, this this obviously exists out, outside of, like, just music, but I think what seemed to trigger this response from people was the uh, female identifying and non-binary because there was some transphobic comments um being thrown around about like oh what if i identify as an x y or z and a it's it's just it's boring at this stage and like you said like you were surprised by it because you thought that we'd moved on from this but it would appear that even in our progressive little country there are people who have a problem with like bands or artists or women just trying to connect with other women who are trying to make it in in their industry when there is this like just foot holding them down constantly and it's yeah it's it's really boring and people need to stop making those kind of jokes it so it turns out the reason they were issuing an open call was for to put on some panel discussions Mm. and and have people connect um before their gigs, it seems yeah. so. Um, so nobody's job was that uh, was threatened, which was one of the things that mm-hmm. kept. The other thing that kept coming up was like, oh, the people who shout the loudest about um, representation and equality are doing unequal things. Yeah, know? that this was that this was uh, some kind of like affront to equal opportunity employment because men weren't being asked to apply for this job that wasn't posted. This was nothing to do with a job. It was to do with, you know, trying to get a panel of people together. It, it, like, even if it wasn't that, they were just putting out an open call to have have some chats with some ladies and non-binary people. Like, what's... You know, I think if if you're a band, I don't know, 
it's not the same as hiring somebody for a regular job. You need yeah. to get on with them as well. And I think it's, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't have a problem with somebody wanting uh, to bring somebody who's not represented or not having an opportunity to do something mm. uh, into their own sphere to work with them. It's like the big thing about being a band and an artist. It's like you build your team and you work with people you want to work with. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with like having... Like, you don't have to, uh, like, hire somebody just because, you know, somebody tells you you have to hire them. Well, th and this is the thing. I think people people are, are, are looking at these sort of calls as as if it's excluding people. But what it's actually doing is saying, hey, we'd, we, we want to kind of, we want to talk to people who are in our, in our industry. We specifically want to talk to people who we mightn't usually get the opportunity to talk to. So if anything, that's widening the talent pool from from which you can hire from or discuss like yeah. ideas with people with like it's it's a very it's it's a it's a topic that's so kind of on everybody's minds at the moment, um, especially with kind of trans, trans rights and, you know, non-binary um, exclusions that are ha happening everywhere. And it's just, it's it's a shame to see it in our, in our little progressive country. But they're playing tonight. They've got, I think, an all-female um, or all-female identifying, uh, like, support. Yeah, all-female band called Girlfriend, actually, yeah. who played for me recently. They were uh, early days for them, but they're really good. Yeah. And uh, then they have Dot in Galway, uh, mostly female um, band as well. Um, so I have yeah. no problem with that. I think, yeah. you know, in in any circumstance, a band can can hire a support band who they like. Yeah. And I have no problem with this at all. Um, so, yeah, just a lot of bluster on the Internet as usual. Um, I don't know. It's just not, not something I really come across much, thankfully, yeah. as in in the music space. But it was a bit of an eye opener for me and it was a reminder that. You know, there are people out there who have a problem with, yeah. with others. Um, and that's kind of annoying. It was annoying maybe because it happened on the Northern Line group as yeah, well. Yeah, which is such a kind of, it. it's such a community of people who just love music and work in music. And to see people within that group and therefore within our kind of peer group yeah. saying things like that and calling stuff like that out was was a shame and I, I hope that they've thought about kind of the reasons why there was a backlash against their comments um, which you know it's it's possible everybody's learning we're all we're all learning with stuff yeah. like this so you it know. just reminded me of the thing last year uh, there was a, a kind of talk to the organizers some of the organizers about it since and I think you know, a lot of it, like there was a thing called, uh, a festival called Higher Vision, uh, I pointed out that there was like three acts out of a hundred who were female and they were using a female on the poster. Yeah. And it was like, do you not see how this could be problematic because yeah. you're using a woman's image to promote your festival, which has only Which is 97% like, yeah. male. So I was like, do you know, you not see? And it was like, it was a, there was a lot of people like involved in it who were really like, defensive about it mm. but then you know I've talked to some of them since and they said that they have since understood where it came from and totally it started to you know think about it a bit more and it's not like I wasn't saying that um, you know they deliberately did this and you know and the whole thing about festivals is like there is a part of that where it, it can be hard to like totally represent 
Um, mm. Like I'm, I wasn't saying 50-50 and I don't think that's realistic at the moment, but I do feel like every promoter has, an, has the opportunity to consider this and to develop yeah. new talent in uh, who aren't being represented. Yeah. So, and I think it's happening more and more and all of these things are learning opportunities that we can kind of just say, okay, this happened, let's not let it happen again. Well, maybe it's something to do with the fact that it's an, it was an indie rock sphere, which is hmm. usually a lad's circle. Um, yeah. But here's something interesting. Uh, 50% of new guitar players are young women, a new study has found. Isn't this unreal? So this has been uh, a new study conducted by Fender uh, in the US and United Kingdom reveals that women account for total... Half of the sales across both the UK and uh, the US. Unreal. Um, Especially given how difficult it is for a young woman to go into a music shop and buy her first guitar. I remember when I did it and it was terrifying. And the guy who sold me my guitar was an asshole and just wanted me to know how much he knew about guitars. Oh, oh my God, it it was the worst. I was like 15 and... He was sort of making fun of me for not knowing anything about guitars. You, you're buying your first guitar. I was buying my first guitar. And he was like, oh, you don't know what kind of guitar you're looking for. And I was like, what I just a want wanker. a guitar. I just want to play guitar like like Jimi Hendrix does. <laughs> like just, yeah. Um, so it, it's great that young, young girls are getting in there and buying their guitars. And See, that's it. It's about, that's the whole like safe space thing. Is like Dreamwave are creating a safe space for people who don't get those opportunities and who don't. That was one of the arguments and one of the, the discussion points last year about that festival and, and the things that came after it was like, mm. Um, talking as 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 DJs and some not every like female DJ has this but like a lot of female DJs I feel like and I've seen it with um, like direct experience with people I know getting told that they're playing the wrong song or mm. like being criticized in a way that I've never been criticized sure and I've seen that a lot and if if lads think that isn't happening um well they're fucking sorely mistaken oh my god like it's it's about it's really about like because it would be so easy for you to say because you don't see it happen, it doesn't happen. But it's about listening yeah. to the women around you. That's that's the thing. You just have to li- listen to and believe women. And that goes for kind of <laughs> a lot of things outside of music as well. Yeah, but, well, um, to spin a positive note on all this, there has been, a lot, like you said, a lot of initiatives in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there was a Smirnoff equality campaign in terms of dance DJs. There was a... Um, uh, a couple of uh, uh, like DJ courses and stuff like there's one called Glitter Tits which was small which is aiming to redress this balance uh, Girls Rock Dublin who yep. do a summer camp every year and the summer and Girls Rock is actually a, a whole um, worldwide uh, organisation and yep. Dreamwife actually have a t-shirt um, that says support your local bad bitch on it yeah um, I saw that on their Twitter today uh, and yeah. I definitely I'm gonna get one <laughs> and they, and they denote, donate some of the uh, profits to that to Girls Rock as well so you know it's little little baby steps for a lot of these things but you know tiny baby steps and women like the members of Dream Wife who are going to kind of put us on the right course towards gender equality and yeah it's um it's good good things being pushed back by people who are going to be out of date very very soon well, there you go. <laughs> um, so uh, we move on. It's, it's uh, you're you're a big Halloween fan, clearly judging by your Twitter. I handle. love a Halloween. I do. Yeah. What is your What is your Twitter handle called? What is uh, your Twitter Spooky name? Dre for the fourth year in a row. <laughs> I actually I left it up. Um, it was last year or the year before. I was Spooky Dre until like Christmas Eve. 
uh, and, and, then, and then I did my my Christmas Twitter handle. Um, but yeah, no, there's, there's been some awesome uh, Halloween tw- Twitter handles this year. I like getting in on it. Love a spook. <laughs> well, speaking of Halloween, um, Spotify have an ad that was banned in the UK. Um, that's kind of horror themed, Halloween themed. It is really scary. <laughs> It was banned because it's likely to be distressing to children. <laughs> and me. <laughs> um, in the ad... Um, like, it's okay for it to be distressing for grown adults as well, right? That's yeah, It's yeah, fine that yeah. I was distressed by it's, it. No, it's got a weird, like, doll thing that comes to life, uh, which is always scary. Like, from, from when you're a kid and you watch Chucky the, for the first time, yeah. you're like, no, not cool. Yeah. Um, so the ad is basically a group of people living in an apartment who keep putting on Camila Cabello's uh, Havana song on repeat. <laughs> and every time they do, it awakens this uh, kind of weird China doll who has a horrible face who seems to um, attack them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and this happens repeatedly. So... Um, it was pulled because uh, the ASA, which is the Advertising Standards Authority, ruled that uh, the the fact that the ad was set inside a home, including bedtime setting, and featured a doll, meant it was particularly likely to cause distress to children who saw it and grown adults. <laughs> and grown adults. So you can actually you can actually watch this online, of course, but it's just been banned from um, TV. If you want to look at it, uh, look at Spotify Horror on on. Um, on YouTube and the the tagline for the actual campaign is killer songs you can't resist. It's brilliant. <laughs> it's such a good campaign. I absolutely good. love it. it. It's good. brilliant. But you might get scared shitless. Yeah, wa- watch it with a with a friend. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another thing I went to do uh, last week, I had a very indulgent um, thing that I've never done before. I took a Thursday afternoon off and went to see um, the very last screening of the MIA film mm-hmm. which is called Matangi Maya uh, MIA it is a brilliant brilliant film unfortunately it's over now in terms mm. of screenings but I'm, I'm looking at doing something where maybe people who might haven't seen it before we may try and put it on um, but it's absolutely brilliant the whole thing is it's the uses a lot of home video footage from uh, that MIA um, as you probably know, a Sri Lankan-born artist who's based in London um, moved there when she was nine. Her dad was in the Tamil Tigers, a, a resistance group fighting um, in Sri Lanka, and her she wasn't her dad wasn't really known to her in a lot of ways uh, until he turns up uh, ten years later in London, and there's footage of them her and her siblings talking about her dad's absence, and like mm. one of her sisters is like, you know. You just never, he never sent a card or anything to the mother, the mother. And like, there's a lot of family actually in, in MIA's like albums, even yeah. if you don't realize it. Like, her, well, you, you would know, uh, like, Kala is her mother's name, that's the name of her album. And she named one after her dad as well. Um, I think she did. Um, yes. I can't remember what that's called now. But um, the, the documentary is really a portrait of somebody um, who is trying to. Clearly is has a lot of convictions about her where she grew up in Sri Lanka and as an immigrant. And it's always been in her music, actually. It's always been there. And the iconography of um, her as an artist has always brought that kind of ideas in. And her videos have always brought the ideas of an immigrant and other cultures in. Um, And I think it's really fascinating to watch because it is does give you that. Um, perception of somebody who maybe in the last four or five years you know the message on MIA has kind of changed a little bit and and I think it gives you a good example of why that has happened because 
MIA obviously like first al- when the first album came out on XL it was Galang and all that kind of stuff and uh, Arular mm-hmm. uh, I think was that her dad's name um, and uh, so like r- hugely exciting artist who has a, a lot of conviction and a lot of home video stuff um, shows that how much conviction she has one of the early things she does is she goes on tour with uh, Elastica and she's friends with Justine Friedman and you see her kind of giving out mm. to Justine about how come she doesn't actually say anything right. uh, when she has a microphone <laughs> so obviously like MIA decides to do this herself and becomes very successful in doing so um, and it's just a really fascinating thing to watch um, like you see her dancing in her bedroom earlier on and she talks about like making beats and stuff like that but it's when like her career um, gets much bigger and goes worldwide and specifically goes to America that um, you see the trouble her background brings to mm. the, her story. So there's the likes of um, the famous, you will, might remember this, the famous New York Times article where um, the whole uh, shorthand for it was the truffle fries. Do you remember this? Um, uh, New York Times did a, a, a profile of MIA and the writer um, had a very skeptical, Lynn Hirschberg had a very skeptical uh, piece written about her, but kind of set her up a lot in a lot of ways. By this point, she was uh, married um, to a very uh, wealthy guy and living in LA. And she kind of uses that as a stick to beat her with in case of, like she's, here's MIA who likes to talk about, you know, um, pulling up the people and and poor people from around the world. But Mm. here she is sipping on like fancy cocktails and and eating truffle fries which oh, it turns right. out the writer had actually or ordered herself of course um, so it was quite nasty but then the other thing that happened is that MIA had a very um public um reaction to it online and posted the writer's personal phone number on twitter and made a diss track about it awesome um, so that happened and then there's things like the uh, Madonna at the Super Bowl, where she uh, flipped the bird at the at the uh, cameras, and the NFL then later tried to s- sue her for sixteen million dollars in lost advertising revenue and breach of her contract <laughs> at the Super Bowl. <laughs> lost advertising re- revenue at the Super Bowl. Are you messing? Yeah, it's a bit. It's been. I think it was later settled in private, so we don't know what the actual result of that was, but. Um, she, you can see her in the film going, that's why Madonna had me on stage to say the things she can't. Mm. And you kind of see her disappointed looking at Madonna backstage and kind of going, I can't believe this icon has been uh, basically uh, been treated as like somebody who has to, she's very subservient to the NFL and yeah. they like basically check her costume and make sure it's all right. Mm. So I mean, it's just kind of going, I can't believe this is this icon, this outspoken yeah. woman is, is uh, allowing these things to happen. Um, and it kind of, it does, it's really, really fascinating for that w- in, in the way that it shows you that background and shows you a lot of uh, how she kind of struggles in the US media. And there's a lot of, mm. there's some of that, like real time with Bill Maher, she goes on and calls um, the, what's happening in Sri Lanka a genocide and yeah. that gets cut out of, of the actual broadcast. And then there's a lot of, there's just a lot of skepticism and she gets accused of being a terrorist and all this kind of stuff. So yeah, like she has to put up with like, especially her, her, like in, in the UK, I I guess, I suppose now, now it's so hard to know where you fucking stand with the UK, but like it's, it generally, like if you look at London, especially like it's, it's a very, very diverse place and more accepting of somebody from Sri Lanka. But in the US, it's like, 
there there are almost no like non non black but brown kind of like so somebody from Sri Lanka or somebody from like yeah. a, a a background with like Islam or something for example there there are al- almost nobody in America who are speaking who who's speaking from that kind of point of view because it is such an islamophobic place mm. right now that yeah that like it shows you some um, footage from US TV in the days after the Super Bowl and all the fallout and you literally see these uh, American TV news presenters going why why didn't they just get a white person to do it <laughs> you know like there's lots of that kind of stuff oh in that it. solves everything doesn't yeah, it yeah, yeah. Um, but you know one thing that is uh, she MA is apparently not wasn't very pleased with the film originally right um, but okay. it turns out I mean I think it's very fair but basically what happened was the director is her old uh, college buddy so there's footage of them together but he gave uh, she gave him um, like her access to her archive of home videos she always mm. wanted to be a director herself she always wanted to make film it shows her going to Sri Lanka to visit her family for the first time a long time after college and she tries to um, connect with them and she does but they're very wary of being recorded on, on camera because you know, Sri Lanka, Sri Lanka is still a dangerous place and, and, you know, the military still come to their house and check who's there mm. and she had to be registered and all this kind of stuff. So, but she does <coughs> encounter that in with difficulty. So I kind of think her, her music really gave her that uh, outlet to um, <coughs> empower her convictions that she has and she clearly seems to have um, in all of her music. I, you know, if you think about it, like Paper Planes, great pop song but it's a song about immigrants and the stereotype of how they're going to take your job yeah um, Bad Girls I didn't realise was actually about um, this uh, the recently uh, rescinded ban on um, Saudi women not being able to drive mm-hmm. uh, and it's a fucking great music video yeah it's so insane cool. like um, she's she's always been so kind of like she's sh- she's been putting her middle finger up to the industry but also just like white culture but you know, like the the predominance of of white people in pop culture in America and the UK since she started and she does it so well visually yeah. like that it it nearly detracts from how well she does it in her music like her with her music it's a little bit more obvious because you're getting sort of direct um allusions to like Sri Lankan music and those kind of more obvious things but then like her music videos are incredible. They are insanely good, and they always sort of the borders one is one that I like. That's, that's like one of the most recent ones, which is just an absolute work of art. It's, it's one like, of the best, it's better than the song. Yeah, it's it's one of the best music. Videos I think that's I've been the seen. only it's problem so... I've had with it, with MIA in the last couple of years. Her music hasn't really like worked to the same I, level. Well, I think that she's one of those artists for me. Like I always talk about how Kendrick. And Beyonce have in in their kind of most well in Beyonce's most recent work and Kendrick since to Pimp a Butterfly have been as much kind of visual artists as they have been just in their music and I think that there is such like but because we're not just consuming music videos and consuming music visually on MTV or something we we have we've the same access to music videos now that we do to music 
that there is this space now for artists to say, well, this this song or this album or whatever the work might be is as visual as it is auditory. Do you know? Yeah. So it's I I think she does that really, really well. Um so it's not so much a case that like one is better than the other. I I think that for her her music to be enjoyed like to its fullest, you you one might treat it the way you treat like lemonade or Beyonce, which which is better when you watch it than when you just listen to it, you know? Yeah, I'd like to see her do more of that. I um you know, personally for me, I don't think your music has uh, has worked to the same level as it did the first two albums. Yeah, I'd love to see her perform at the Grammys or something. Yeah, you know, like again, I, well, I, she performed when she was pregnant the last time. Oh yeah, people, people made such a big deal out of that. Yeah, um, and she was just like, "Well, I'm pregnant, so that's what I'm doing." Yeah, but I'd you I'd know. love to see her do some kind of like like non like obviously she's got the documentary but like do some big production where she is just in charge the NFL aren't going to stop her doing anything where yeah. she can just be a visual I don't think that's going to happen in America now you no know? no definitely um, not I, I should say that the while well, she did give access to her home video uh, Steve Loveridge the director apparently didn't show her a cut for four years uh, of the actual film oh and so originally she was quite annoyed because she was like I thought it was going to be a moment of music and I was like and it's, it's yeah. not but I think it actually is a better music because it does show you and contextualises um, her background and how she brings that into her albums and these shows her going to uh, places like Jamaica and Trinidad and Tobago and, and making music mm. with locals and recording kids and, and recording like chickens and all that kind of stuff. Like it, it, there's a lot on that. Yeah. And she does really bring that in. I would say well, another thing that I noticed, I saw it in the IFI last week on in an afternoon and it was, it was you know, it was about 30 people in there maybe at the last mm. screening of of the week and um, there was a lot of South Asian women there and I thought that was really cool just maybe like they were saw something that w- could inspire them as somebody who is you know obviously from their uh, region and who mm. was a very vocal person who got the Sri Lankan government to respond to her genocide thing yeah not in a positive way, but still, you know, like she actually has a lot of. Uh, she's uh, got sway. Like she's one of the most like visible Sri Lankans in the world. Yeah, and uh, she hasn't stepped away from that, despite any like New York Times uh, takedowns or anything like that. <laughs> so yeah, she can order whatever fries she wants. Yeah, too. that's the MIA film Matangi Maya MIA. Look out for it. I'm sure. Uh, we, I, as I said, looking to do a screening of it soon, but um, so keep an eye out we'll for keep that. Keep you posted. Yeah, hopefully that'll happen in uh, mid November or late November. Yeah, oh, that's what we're looking at. Anyway, I'll let you know about that. Uh, in the meantime, back to social media now. Mm. What's happening with social media? Have we lo- have we got rid of the numbers yet? Uh, no, no, we're still working on getting rid of the getting rid of the likes and the numbers. But Kanye has had other things in his mind. But we're not here to talk about Kanye. We're here. I can't talk about Kanye this week after last week. Yeah, no, that's quite all right. <laughs> we're going to take a little Kanye break. Um, we will, however, talk about Ariana Grande, who has decided to take a social media break uh, for the benefit of her mental health. Um, she had a split from her fiance Pete Davidson this week, very public, obviously. Um, they were dating for a short while, got engaged. Everybody loved them. They were the id couple and then they split up and obviously everybody on the internet had an opinion about it. Um, which is a problem because 
in this increasingly uh, social media driven industry, especially with pop artists and especially with female pop artists, it's almost impossible to um, to exist without having a huge social media presence and a huge um yeah just a kind of a an expectation that you're that you're going to be very um there all the time that you you, you can't be only visible. yeah you have to be visible and and uh, influence you know so yeah so she um made a post uh saying Today was very special, something, something. Um, time to say bye-bye again to the internet for just a little bit. It's hard not to bump news and stuff that I'm not trying to see right now. It's very sad and we're all trying real hard to keep going. Love you. Thank you for being here always. Love. Well, she's had a hard time recently, not only uh, was with, with a breakup, but also being accused by people on the internet of like being responsible for the death of Mac Miller. Which Yeah, know, that that was all absolutely abhorrent like that yeah. really 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 awful stuff I mean, that would drive anybody off social media. like that is if, if if you're to like place ariana grande into like with with her age and her level of fame if you can imagine madonna in the 1980s um receive like it's the equivalent of people posting nasty shit through somebody's letterbox is, is what we're doing with social media right now. Like, there's no way that Ariana Grande can even open her phone without seeing people accusing her of killing an ex-boyfriend or talking about her very personal split with her boyfriend. Um, she suffers from anxiety. She's obviously been through a lot in the past couple of years. She talked about having post-traumatic stress disorder after the uh, Manchester attacks. And yeah, she's had a tough time. She has had a really, really tough time and she's young is the thing. And I think her taking a stand and kind of saying, I need to take a break right now for me is a really, really positive thing for her fans to see, to see that it's, it's okay to take a break. You don't need to be online all the time. And if things are bad in a self-care kind of way you can just say no I'm not putting up with this so yeah hopefully she feels better soon um and gets through this bout of anxiety but it it's just it it points again once more to the sort of sad expectations that we have um of our pop stars particularly our female pop stars to be constantly available to us well yeah, absolutely. It's a horrible situation. I can't imagine why, what that would be like to be in the public eye in the line of fire and be able to have people, even to see one or two of them a day, you'd be like, oh my God. I know, it's a really hard thing to be able to, um, uh, to imagine, look at that like, and, yeah. and, you know, how it wouldn't affect your mental health. And of course it would. Yeah. But speaking of uh, staying off social media, uh, one of our albums actually this week is informed exactly by that. Um, but first, here's a word from our sponsor. Here's Philly Taggart and his new podcast. Phil Taggart. Hello, my name is Phil Taggart. I'm a music broadcaster and journalist on BBC Radio 1. Slacker Podcast. I've been playing in bands for way, way, way too long and I've been following them around like a lost dog since I was a kid. Uh, I started this podcast, Phil Taggart Slacker Podcast. Get this, I'm chatting in the third person already. To interview the great and the good of the music world. Not only do we get down to the questions you rarely hear asked, but we also get them to play their first ever demo. I mean, it gets proper raw, gritty. The wonky versions of the huge songs that they end up becoming. 
On season one of the Slacker podcast, we've got Wolf Phallus, Churches, Gary Lightbody, The Cribs, Leon Bridges, Miramasa, Aurora, Novelist, and loads more. Our first ever episode, which I'm really hyped about, is going to be with the Manic Street Preachers. And we've got a very, very special demo from 1986. I'd love to hear from you as well, uh, at Philly Taggart on Twitter and Instagram, to tell me what guests you would love to have on this podcast. Also, I'd love you to subscribe, rate, leave a comment, maybe buy this podcast dinner and tell it you love it and then never call it back. But a subscribe would be absolutely ace. The Slacker podcast kicks off very soon with the Manic Street Preachers. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Philly. Do check out his podcast. His latest one uh, episode was with Declan McKenna, and uh, he also has one with Wolf Alice, which I really enjoyed, Manic Street Preachers and Bastille. You can check out. That's the Slacker podcast. Um, a quick plug from me, actually, uh, for a gig I have uh, coming on sale, probably today, if you're listening to it on a Thursday. Uh, we're doing a second night of the Glass House performing the music of Sufjan. Um, Andrea, I know you're a Sufjan fan. Oh, I'm a big Sufjan fan. Yeah, so I will that, be there with bells on. That's happening in the Douglas Hyde Gallery. Tickets are on sale today. Um, that is uh, like about an hour and a half, two hours of complete Sufjan music as performed by an 11 piece uh, with choral accompaniment. It's going to be a lovely evening. Um, tickets are, are on sale now, like I said, uh, in the Douglas Hyde Gallery. Do check it out. First one is already sold out. Second one happens on November 24th. So, yeah, that's it for me in terms of plugging for now. But uh, we have we had a very busy week in terms of albums this week. There has been a metric fuck ton of albums <laughs> released this week. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, a lot of albums out this week. Um, so in lieu of our regular um, schedule, we thought we'd leave Songs of the Week to one side. Yeah. Because there's so many albums. I, I've, I've actually listened to... 15 new albums in the last week. Jesus. That's a lot. Um but I'm not a lot and they're all good. Here's yeah. the thing. So we're going to we're going to like talk a bit about some of them. Um and uh, the first one we're going to pl- uh, pl- talk about is a, a band called Hubba Bubba Club. A name I love uh, a lot. It's Say it again. Hubba Bubba Club. Brilliant. They're a band called uh, from Norway. Um their album is called Drum and Drum Drum and Drummer. Oh, that didn't go as well as the <laughs> no, <laughs> as the band name uh, now, did it? <laughs> Drum and Drummer Drummer. Um no, I can't say it. I'm not, I don't my Norwegian isn't good. It, it is a Norwegian language album, but uh, it is a lot of fun. You might know them from um, their song I this is like a song that's now associated with me in a way because uh, I play it a lot um, this is a song called Moped Bart this features on their album just to give you a quick taste of what they're like So that is uh, Moped Bar, just to give you a quick... Uh, the reason I play that is because I heard this in two to- that song in 2011 or something like that, 2012 maybe, and n- they were very quiet for a long, mm. long time. And I thought I thought the band had broken up, basically. Um, but it's a really cool song. I always... Uh, I've I played it out DJing a lot, and uh, it's very cool, and I like it a lot. Uh, and they're a great band. But it turns out they had an album out um, this week, 
I just happened to see it and I bought it. I bought a vinyl copy of it, and like this, there's a lot of um fun, breezy, kind of funky, synthy, poppy stuff happening in their music. Um, they're a lot of fun. I would recommend it. Uh, it they're assigned to Snorkel Records. That's Hubba Bubba Club. Hubba Bubba on Club. Snorkel Records. On Snorkel Records. <laughs> <laughs> this is all very fun to say. I think the album translated as a dream of a dreamer's dream or something like oh. that. Um, so, uh, yeah. They like their alliteration. Yeah. Sure, don't we all? Yes. Why, why, why wouldn't you? <laughs> why wouldn't you? Um, well, here's a, here's a, another, just a, because you've probably heard them up about before if, you, if you've ever listened to me do anything. Um, this is the opening track from the album called Tom Lummer. To hender og de klapper jeg takt med To føtter danser barbeid i grøs Jeg har et rent hjerte som jeg fyller med rytme To tomme lommer, men det er ikke noe stress Jeg har, har, har To hender og de klapper jeg takt med To føtter danser barbeid i grøs Jeg har et rent hjerte som jeg fyller med rytme Club and uh, so the album title actually translates the dream that dreamers dream. That's great. <laughs> uh, the description on the, on their own site, the snorkelrecords.com site for about the vinyl is uh, from the dense and foggy forest arises uh, arises an enchanting sound creeping down the jagged is mountainside. It <laughs> it's the hosier, hosier the forest king. <laughs> it crawls along the valley and down to the fjord. Of course, oh, it's a fjord. A fjord. One of my favorite words. Fjord. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it goes on to say, there it makes a sudden left turn, floating along a bumpy and winding rural road, past shiny bales of hay and a cluster of abandoned hippie farms, until it arrives in the city, where it melts into an urban cacophony. The soaring screech of the railway, the thundering vibrations from the cranes. I'm going to read all of this now. The tantalising echo of a single stiletto heel against a jet black pavement. As the sound finally reaches the city people's ear canals, it starts its mesmerising work, slowly hypnotising its listener, like a mythical siren or an ancient water spirit. Okay. I think I've had this dream. <laughs> a power so great that it drowns out the city, the sound luring the urban creatures with it as it echoes back into the gloomy forest. Now, normally I hate that kind of stuff. If, I love that. That's great. Press release, but you know what? The album's great and uh, fair play to them for fair doing it. Fair play to the and lads. Finally getting to the album and uh, releasing it. It is Hubba Bubba Club, Drummond Drumna Drummer, I think it's what it's called. Um, and we're going to go with our next album uh, of the week, a, a man you'll know well. His name is John Grant and this is a song from his album, Love is Magic. It's called Tempest. Through the doors of institutions We can hang out 
from John Grant from his new album Love Is Magic which came out last week uh, I've been listening to this along with all the other ones now I will say that um, listening to 15 albums in one week is a tough go yeah <laughs> so I haven't quite um, listened to all of this in terms of uh, I haven't uh, you know done di- a deep dive digested the whole thing yeah. but it's uh, John Grant's fourth solo album I can tell you that in a slight diversion from his regular programming of piano soaked balladry and uh Sometimes sardonic lyrics, a lot of the sardonic lyrics is still there. Some piano balladry is still there, but a lot of it is uh, coated in this kind of electro analog synth um, style. Mm. Um, he seems to have fun um, experimenting with these kind of sounds and a lot of like John Carpenter sounds and Georgia Moroder sounds in there. Um, ben Edwards is uh, the collaborator who worked on a lot of the uh, synth style stuff. Um, so it can work really well. I think it works really well on a song like that. Um, there are other songs that I it's the songs can be quite rigid sure. in terms of like they kind of I've described him as a, he comes across as a bit of an electro court jester because kind of like weird rigid style that like has no funk to it. Um, mm. And at its worst, it's a bit um, worse. It's, it's like it, when it doesn't work as that well, it can feel a bit like hard work. Um, mm. And, you know, I think like John Grant lyrics always work. Uh, he is very interesting lyricist. This album is less, um, probably has less of those lines that make you go, ah, that's great. Yeah, I think there's there's more like on, on those parts that don't work as well. There is a little bit too much cynicism on his part, you yeah. know. Like I think a, he's definitely feels like he's playing more of a character on this one than he. Yeah, normally would this have. is nearly like a a f- Father John Misty sort of c- taking on a a character of somebody being a little bit like those those tracks, certain tracks on it where he's just being a little bit annoying and he sounds like a, a an impression of like. LCD sound system or something. Um, yeah, well, but like, it doesn't quite work as well. Yeah, yeah, but there, there are like this. This album has like proper good moments on it. Like it's it's for for the most part very good. Yeah, so it's one to be explored for sure a bit more. Time, yeah, I need to spend more time, time with it. Time will tell whether it's going to be one that will stand up in his back catalogue overall, but uh, I'm sure that's the same way with all albums really, isn't it? Sure, Can't know it. after less than, less than a week if you're going to love it, but I do think there's lots of great stuff on it, and uh, while some of it I can't imagine myself not going back to much at all um, and our, our next album is actually your choice as well this week it's uh, from St. Vincent and uh, Mass Education yes so we it's ta- pronounced Mass Seduction man <sighs> no this time it's Mass Education we were right all along lads it's great so this is a stripped back version of her album Mass Seduction yeah so we talked a little bit last week about um, 
she released the song Saviour, um, a piano version of that song. And so now we get to listen to the whole album and it is great. It's very, very good. But I would advise that this isn't the album to listen to if you're just about to get into St. Vincent. This is very much for the fans. Um, and it is for people who liked Mass Seduction. If you didn't like Mass Seduction, this is going to drive you mad. Like you're not going to like it at all. <laughs> yeah, I could um, see that. How I could see that. Yeah, in, yeah. Because ma- ma- Mass Seduction got kind of a mixed response um, from a lot of the critics that I was reading at the time Did and it? listening to at the time. Yeah, yeah. There was a few few people that just were not on board with it. Um, which. I, I, I feel like that's probably fair. She is a little bit out there. She's a little bit avant-garde. And this um, this sort of acoustic record sticks with that. Like the piano lines highlight the the stranger moments in, in the songs and in the melodies um, as opposed to just being chords played under her voice sung a little bit softer. She's not afraid to... She's she's not afraid to not not make mistakes, but she's not afraid to um, you know. There's there's moments where she's pushing it vocally and doesn't quite get there. But I think that there's a real charm in that. Like we already know she can sing, so this is this is kind of why I say this is one for the fans. It it, it but it, it feels like you, that as well. It's very like live raw kind of sound. Yeah, for sure. In- how many takes? Like I think some they, of the songs were. They, they were recorded three of each track with, without discussing kind of what they do in terms of arrangement, um, and then they picked their favorite one, and that's the one that went on the. So album. she worked with Thomas Bartlett, who yeah. was also of the Gloaming, and has done a lot of um, arrangement stuff. For yeah, a lot a, of incredibly people. talented arranger. Yeah, um, and a, a very intense uh, pianist as well mm-hmm. uh, in terms of performance, and uh, you, I think he is an artist who likes to go into his own head and let's see wherever that brings him yeah. on stage and, and he's probably the perfect person to have for something like this to for sure yeah play the piano and see what comes out and he also plays some um, strings as well doesn't he um, some what does he play on it? He plays mostly piano on it, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's mostly piano. I think she's she's got a couple of songs that have um guitar in it as well, but it's it's very much a piano vocal album. And if you're interested in kind of um improvisation and hearing musicians kind of play around um around a different melody and doing something a little bit different with it, this is definitely um one to listen to. It's it's great and it's 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 a very very nice um it's a nice little gift for her fans who who were who were really into the album last year. Yeah. Uh, let's play a bit for give you an example. Uh this is Lost Ageless from the stripped back version of a Mass Education it's called. The last days of the sunset superstars. Girls in cages playing their guitars but how just follow the hood of my car In Los Angeles the waves they never break They build and build until you don't have no escape But how can I leave? I just follow my hood to the sea Go to sleep 
Vincent, uh, or Saint Vinny, as we've been calling her. Uh, we have been calling her Saint Vinny. <laughs> uh, yeah, that is Lost Ages. As her friends call her. Her stripped back album. Um, it's called uh, Mass Education, and I don't know. Uh, continuing the onslaught of new albums, um, our next act is uh, Jacko Aini Kalevi. He has a new album called Out of Touch. It's the aforementioned one I mentioned about uh, the uh, one that's about technology and you know, taking yourself away from uh, technology in a, on a day-to-day basis, switching the phone off, basically. Yeah. Um, so he's a Finnish multi-instrumentalist. Um, he's been around for a while, kind of, this is his fifth album now. Um, we played, I think, we did we play the song, uh, People in the Center of the City, on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, a song about um, him, the time he was a tram driver. Yes, we see, did. And seeing people uh, um, in the city, just going about their daily business. Yeah. Wrote a very cool uh, 80s inspired pop song about that. Very cool song. Um, so he, he, that's kind of a, a good example of what he does, uh, a sort of a sleek and suave alternative pop, uh, taking inspiration from the 80s and drum machine beats and and nice sophisticated arrangements and little horn sections and stuff like that. Uh, it's a it's a, a very pleasing album. It's a it's called Out of Touch, uh, and and as I said, the album does refer to that kind of forced loss of connectivity in your life and. Uh, you know, um, taking a step back in, in a w- many ways, Jacko takes a step back in his music by mining the past. Mm. Um, but he, he calls it an essential blissed out state. Uh, and the album is really lovely and it's got a kind of a playful calm and uh, it definitely seems to revel in that kind of disconnect. And it's something for when you want an album to be transported into uh, into a different uh, headspace. It's a nice thing to do. So here's uh, the opening track from it. This is called A China Eddie. To know where to go Only man to show Thank you. 
That is Jack Oini Kalevi. He, uh, his album is out now. It's called Out of Touch. Uh, he had a great song out a couple of years ago, uh, a cover of um, Pop Can, um, mm-hmm. the uh, Jamaican um, hit dancehall artist called Everything Nice. Uh, really great, great, great cover. And, and it's kind of a, it's, it has become... Uh, in my mind and maybe in a few other people's uh, a Lumo classic we played it a good few times oh those Lumo w- classics one of those ones that we had a couple of regulars who were like Did you p- can you play this <laughs> like, yeah <laughs> was like yes of course <laughs> and it does not try to work stop out. me but when we do we're like yes because it's, go- it's kind of a it's a slower song yeah. and sometimes it's hard to go from a like a high energy song to a, a slower song in a, in a GSF but you know at the right time it's the right song to play. Yeah. It's great. Uh, do check it out. It's everything nice. And that is Jacko Aini Kalevi, our next artist. Our artists are uh, the Dodos, a band I haven't heard from from a, quite a while. Yeah, it's been a while. They have a new album out called Certainty Waves. Tell me more about they it. They do. So they are an indie rock duo. Uh, they've been playing music together since 2005. And this is their first album since 2015. Uh, seventh overall. And it's really interesting. It's interesting if you're, especially if you're, if you are a fan of Dodo of the Dodos, um, they went through a sort of period of writer's block and through revisiting their second album, uh, Visitor from 2008, they played a 10th anniversary gig of it and then they were inspired to write some new music. So yeah, it's an interesting divergence from their usual kind of folk rock stuff. Um, they always had a bit of a, a bit of an edge or a bit of a twist to them, but there's something kind of darker, a little bit heavier, um, in this record, especially in the drums, it goes a bit math rocky at times, which is cool and a bit. Ha- haven't heard anything kind of math rocky in a while, you know. <laughs> you said cool as if you said like John Oliver says cool. <laughs> cool. Cool. <laughs> yeah. No. I. I. I say that because it, it's just I. I went through like a, a pretty like big post-rock and math rock phase I'd say about eight years ago so this like there are moments on this album that just transported me right back to being really into like I don't know 65 days of static and that that kind of space um but yeah it's it's a really very interesting album it's a bit top heavy um the first the run of the first four or five tracks is great and it 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 doesn't lose its way towards the end, but it just gets a little bit more experimental and less. Uh, it has, I think it has less of a grasp on itself as it ends. But it's only nine tracks long. It comes in at like thirty five minutes or something. Right. So it's 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 a really really good listen. I super recommend it. Cool. Well, let's play a bit of the opening track. This is Forum from the Dodos.
the, do- the Dodos being very frantic there. So our next album this week is from Marissa Nadler. Um, and it is called For My Crimes, an artist that I dip into every now and again, just listen to her albums. She's always had really lovely um, uh, uh, songs in those albums. She's on her eighth album, I think, now. Uh, For My Crimes is the follow-up to her, her uh, 2016 album. She's an American folk singer-songwriter who makes some very beautiful music. Um, and I've been really enjoying what I've been listening to. Very, I've only had two full listens of this so far, really. But um, like really, we said, it's been a busy. Week. <laughs> it's been a busy week. <laughs> but yeah, this is kind of serves as a pointer for you guys to have a listen if you haven't heard it yet. Uh, ten songs on the album. Uh, there's a lot of talk about um, things. Maybe it sounds like almost like a breakup album, but it's. I don't think it is. It's like she's mm. happily married, and it's all about um, you know the struggles that you go through and uh, the first song is actually uh, her husband gave her uh, the task of writing a song about somebody who's incarcerated um, and awaiting execution so there's that mm. <laughs> and the last the last song on the album is about is called Said Goodbye to That Car which is literally about her car breaking down um, <laughs> I love so that it sounds quite trivial but it's uh, a very very lovely lovely album here is a taster of it it's called Lover Release Me Maybe it's the time of the year I have seen my heart grow old It's more than I can bear Lover, release me I'm dying in the dark with you Lover I think that's a good indication of what Marissa Nadler is about, that kind of style. It's kind of, uh, it's not something I indulge in an awful lot. And she, I don't mean, I don't know if she's ever played here. So it's kind of one of those like online artists that you dip mm. into every now and again. Um, I'm not even sure I would go see an artist like that. Um, and I'm, I'm not saying I wouldn't like to. Mm. I'm just saying it's not like, uh, it's the kind of thing I put on when I'm in a, wistful, a gentler mood. A little wistful mood. Yeah, which is kind of how I feel about our next artist, <coughs> Kurt Vile. Who has released his seventh, I believe, solo album? Um, he was formerly in the War on Drugs as a guitarist, then went solo, um, and obviously that band blew up. But he's maintained a very cult-like following in those yes. years. <coughs> and like everything Kurt Vile that I'm aware of, uh, it mostly operates in this very um, similar vein all the way through. It's kind of like mm. this. He can literally be. You know when people talk about like you could sing the phone book? Yeah. He sometimes sounds like he could just be singing the phone book in his own drawl and then you'd just be like, yeah, rock and, nice rock and roll. Yeah. Gentle, like let's go with this. this is and like, it's almost like you, you can pick any song that he's had and you can't really identify which album it's off. Unless you're a super fan. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah like, for me, like like I'd, I, I, re- I really like him. I think he's super talented. Um, 
and I'm fine with him being a bit samey in his solo yeah, work. Yeah, like he owns it I like as well. What he does. he, owns, he yeah. owns what he does. And yeah. I think, and I, when I say that, like, it's, he's the kind of artist I dip into every now and again and I'd stick on an album. Mm. And it kind of, I mean this in, in the best possible way, it's kind of a nice soundtrack to have in the background. It, yeah. Like, uh, in the way that, you know, most people, or not most people, but some people listen to music as a background thing. Yeah. Um, where you're not actively listening. It's kind of a nice backdrop to have. Uh, it's kind of woozy mm. rock and roll music, kind of bit of a, like old style. He has a little, he always has this like um, uh, turn of phrase or reflection in his voice that's kind of like a little bit conversational as well. Yeah, um, yeah. And, so. and a, a lot of things kind of are delivered with a wink as well, which is nice. Yeah. And I, I really enjoyed his album he did with uh, Courtney Barnett as well. Yeah, that was only last year. Wasn't yeah, it? yeah. Earlier this year. Was it earlier this uh, year? I think it was. Maybe, yeah. Um, but the new album is called Bottle, long year. <laughs> Bottle It In. Yes, yes, yes it has. <laughs> um, and it is apparently more introspective. I can't vouch for that yet, having not heard it in a huge amount of it. But um, I have, there's a few songs that stood out to me on this. Uh, there is a lot of long songs on this. There's like How long? There's three 10-minute songs on this. Jesus. Um, so that's a lot. Uh, Pitchfork uh, coined the phrase monolithic curtness <laughs> for for uh, Kurt Boyle and, and his kind of style, which I can definitely say is a part of this album. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of, it kind of drifts off a little bit into some kind of like, somnambulist oblivion um, it kind of like just drifts away towards the end it's very there's a lot of songs on it but um, and like I said there's three ten minute songs on it but I'll give you an example of my favourite song from it so far this is called uh, Come Again from Kurt Boyle's Bottled In Spring came all over the lawn I want to dive and be reborn like seasons come and go and come again Come again, come again What was that he said? Come again, come again, come on down The world had better come around Come again from his uh, new album Bottle It In, his seventh in total. Kurt Vile being Kurt Vile, um, and yeah. that's a perfectly pleasing and pleasant thing to do. Um, if you ask me, um, our next album in this insane week of, of, of new releases is from an Australian band who are now based in Berlin. Um, they um, gained notoriety in the first place because they went to play the gig in Paris, and uh, in the audience in uh, Paris, they are kind of a disco funky inspired band 
And if you were in Paris, you'd be like, who are the most famous French people who are associated with disco and, and dance music? I can't think of anybody. Yeah. Well, it turns out they were in the audience. Daft <gasps> Punk were in the audience and asked uh, Guy Emmanuel uh, and Thomas Van Galter, asked them, could they work with them? And their very first single was uh, called Overnight and was co-produced by Daft Punk. Um, Imagine. No big deal at all. Um, and it did sound a bit like a, a get lucky outtake in a really nice way. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, so like vintage funk guitar, bass and nice shimmering production going on. Um, this is, uh, they have a new album. They're called Parcels and their album is self-titled. It is, But their new album it does not involve uh, those famous names. It is self-produced, but it does have a bit of that um, magic and maybe take a bit of its template from that band uh it's like I said, it's self-produced, but does since still sometimes sometimes sound like outtakes from Random Access Memories, but albeit without the baggage. Um, I'm fine with that. that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's um, fine. <laughs> so, um, so it's heavily influenced, by, like like the way that uh, Random Access Memories is heavily influenced by studio disco records of old, with lots of expensive equipment. Equipment. This has that kind of uh, old style funk and disco grooves and art pop, uh, a lot of sheen to it and a lot of laid back melodies. Uh, my favourite track from it is called Lighten Up and here's a set, here's a taste of it. That is a taste of the Parcels album, self-titled. Uh, that song is called Lighten Up um, and definitely reminds me a little bit of Metronomy in a way as well. That kind of um, gentle uh, light funk in the background, a bit summery, a bit um, like laid back melodies, that kind of vibe to it. Album is very nice. Um, so another one to check out this week, along with all of the others. Um, if you are looking for a full list of these albums, there is a listing on 909.com of uh, 15 albums to check out. This week on the homepage, so you will find that. Um, our next one, as we continue, we've two left. Um, we've got an album from a Glasgow-based uh, producer who does a lot of kind of um, kind of I hate the term world music, but definitely draws mm. from world cultures. Uh, released on Giles Peterson's uh, Brownswood Recordings label. Giles Peterson, obviously known for doing a lot of uh, jazz and funk-inflected kind of music, so this totally fits into that vibe, a lot of Afrobeats kind of stuff. Um, he is from, he's based in Glasgow, but of Goan, Kenyan stock, so uh, there's a, a, 
a world outlook to this music um, in a similar way that there is the wor- uh, music of Bonobo. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of field recordings of life in cities, some percussion workouts, some nice 808 drum machines as well, some West African guitars and Latin rhythms. It all feels quite genuine though as well. So there's clearly somebody who's very um, enthralled to those inspiration and those places and uh, a really, yeah, lovely album um, and, and definitely a nice counterbalance to an autumn evening for mm. sure. Um, but we've had some nice uh, autumn days, bright autumn days. So I think that's when I found myself listening to this. This is, uh, so the album is called uh, Radio High Life. The artist is called Anti Flow. And this is called Nobody Said It Would Be Easy. Anti-Flow with the album uh, Radio High Life sounds called Nobody Said It Would Be Easy. Uh, a very nice album if you want some kind of worldly sounds. Um, so do check that out. Nice global bits in that. Um, and our final album of the week uh, in this onslaught of, of incredibly uh, dense uh, album releases. Yeah. <laughs> Are you getting tired? Oh, God. <laughs> Just uh, so much good music. <laughs> I know, it's insane. We're very I, privileged. I, we didn't even uh, go near anything that uh, we didn't like at all. So, yeah, uh, gosh. We'll leave that to others. Yeah. Um, so this is from Jerry Paper. The album is called Like a Baby. He's a new signing on the Stones Throw label, famous for a lot of hip-hop music. Um, he is called Lucas Nathan. This is his debut solo album. It draws a lot from psychedelic R&B. Uh, Beach Boys, Sonny Pop. His voice has a lot of uh, Brian Wilson in it, if you ask me. And he's a big fan of Steely Dan and their soft rock, which is always a good thing, if you ask me. I'm big Steely Dan. This all sounds sounds agreeable. Yeah, and also there's a lot of stereo lab style indie kind of buzz in it. Um, Oh, very agreeable. All solid references for sure. Um, Guests include Charlotte Day Wilson, uh, Mile High Club, and Way's Blood. And co-production is by Maddie Tavares of Bad, Bad, Not Good. So here's a taste of uh, of the album. It is called Grey Area. This is the song that features Way's Blood. <laughs> Feeling, feeling. I'm in transition to love 
Grey Paper, Grey Area from Jerry Paper. The album is called Like a Baby, and uh, he's uh, on Stone's Throw. And that concludes our um, your your listening for this week. Yeah, um, that's your homework now. Go, go forth and, yeah. and discover. We want and, uh, a tweet tomorrow with your favorite. <laughs> yeah, of the fifteen albums. I don't know how I managed to listen to all those. Um, I know we did have help in the office. Uh, Luke, who uh, works here. Uh, has been helping out on Good man, that Luke. as well. Fair play to you. Which and is your uh, favourite album? If you were oh, to pick one of these albums for our listeners. My favourite album of that whole lot is Hubba Bubba Club, I think. Yeah. But but that's because I have a like a long personal connection with that band in sure. terms of that song. And I thought they were not around anymore. And then I just happened to discover that they were back again this year. Yeah. And um, so, like the context for that song, Moped Bar they played was that um, I love it so much that I wanted to own it on seven inch. And yeah. every time I went, looked at Discogs, it was like eighty quid, and I was like, "Oh no, I just can't do it. I just couldn't bring myself to buy it mm. um, on Discogs for that much." Um, and I just think it's insane to spend that much money on a seven inch. Yeah. Even though I really wanted it, I think literally they just didn't have that. They didn't print up that many. Yeah. <laughs> so there was one on sale um, for a long, long time. I think it actually went down. I'm going to have a look now and see um, what it's at um, and see if it's Oh, you still, still haven't available. got it? I never bought it. I never uh. bought it. But the reason I didn't buy it is because it actually featured on a... Um, 2013 is when it was first released. And uh, yeah, it's one for sale for 73 euro at Jesus. the moment. But I actually, it is on a... The song is an, on a Late Night Tales um, release, a compilation that I ended up... I was just like, you know what? I'll just buy that. Yeah. So I did there you that. go. I so did you that have instead. It. So, Lovely. Um, so I do have it on vinyl, but I'm going to have it on vinyl again because I bought the vinyl version of the album that I'm really enjoying. So that's great. Um, what would you, your favorite from that week? From this um, week? Almost for the same reason of uh, didn't know that they were still making music, and yet here we are. Uh, my pick of the week is the Dodo's album. It's very, very good, and it got me back listening to um, some of their previous records as well, which is always. It's always a nice thing to kind of go and re- revisit albums that you haven't listened to for a long time that remind you of like a certain time in your life. I, I followed which a, is a playlist on Spotify recently that was from a Pitchfork writer. I can't remember. Uh, but, uh, oh, I think it was uh, it was Ryan Schreiber from Pitchfork, mm. and he had a playlist called Weird Era, uh, circa two thousand and nine, and it's all of the music of that era, the likes of Ariel Pink, Girls, Real Estate. Beach House, Wild Nothing, Touring Ma, Neon cool. Indian, Small Black, Washed Out, Destroyer, Panda Bear. There's a lot of so music. So you've just been like in a nostalgia. Well, I haven't hole. actually really listened to it an awful lot because I guess that's the thing about myself sometimes. I have to listen to so much new music that you're just never sure. Um, yeah. But I will say uh, we do have a playlist on Spotify on the 909 account, uh, 909 Best New Releases. I'll, uh, there's two songs from each of these albums in there. You want to go and listen to that, and um, hmm. if you want to make it even easier for yourself to delve in more in the other album we didn't mention, but we had them in um, a couple of weeks ago, is Weekly Corners. Their new album, Imposters, is also out. Um, but they came in for an interview a couple of weeks ago. You can have a listen it to it. It is brilliant. We had a good chat about imposter syndrome, and uh, didn't get to make their album uh, launch last week, but uh, it's a great album. So do check that out. We Cut Corners, and the album is called Imposters. I think that's it for most this. Yeah. What else have you been looking at and listening to? Uh, I've been listening, I've been watching the entire series of Succession that I talked about last week. Oh, the yeah. HBO drama about family. It's 
fucking brilliant. It's like one of the best things I've seen in a long time. I have um, not watched it yet. Yeah, it's very, very good. And uh, Better Call Saul, um, catching up on that again. People the seem to like that. You, you I Right, I <laughs> love Breaking Bad. And then I gave Better Call Saul the first two episodes and I couldn't connect oh my with God. it. I know. That's all you've given it? Yeah. Uh, I like. Sort yourself out. Should I, should I just try again? It's brilliant. It's so, okay. it's so great. How many seasons is Better Call Saul so on now? Four. Like Jeez. it's so well done though. It's is so it? so invested in it and it's so it goes so much like it to me it goes so much deeper in terms of character development. Obviously it's four seasons, but um there's a lot of, you really feel for the characters and there's a lot going on mm. and uh um he still hasn't quite caught up to present day yet. Um, okay. But there's just so many I don't know, it's just, it's just really great. It's okay. really great. I will, and, I will, um, I will deep dive and watch it. And there's a lot back. of family in it as well, actually. And, yeah. uh, you know, um, you can see him turning into the, uh, the swindler he ends up being. Because he was like pro- my highlight of Breaking Bad. Oh, that's so why it, it does a whole yeah, season. Like it makes like, sense. Whole it makes sense. Of him. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. is great. And, uh, but then there's characters like Mike from uh, Breaking Bad as yeah, well, who were, Equally, given equal weight in the new series okay. as well. So uh, I would recommend uh, you do check that out. Cool. What about yourself? Um, I watched the three seasons that are available on Netflix of Inside Number Nine. Have you watched that? No, I haven't. It is uh, from Reese Shearsmith and Steve Pemberton who who made um, uh, League of Gentlemen. So it's this, uh, it's like a dark comedy anthology series uh where each episode it's kind of like um like a black mirror kind of thing where each episode is its own contained thing but it is absolutely brilliant it is one of the best things i've seen in a long time i i've been terrified watching it i've been like doubled over laughing watching it if you like the funny thing about them is like Le- League of Gentlemen, I, I loved, but it took me a really long time to like it because it is so out there and so weird. Um, but this, I think that this should have been the thing that I started with in terms of their work. Um, I can't recommend it enough. And you can jump in at any episode. Um, they're all completely standalone. Cool. That's nice. Uh, what else have I been listening to? Uh... I've been listening to the new serial Still yeah, going with that. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's excellent. Really, really great. Um, yeah. And Reply All is back. They're also awesome. They're probably my favorite podcast ever. Cool. I listened to a lot of MIA since last week because of the documentary. <laughs> um, just going back and listening to her albums. And uh, yeah. And I've been also enjoying um, Rachmaninoff's second piano concerto a lot. Way to take it highbrow. So uh, <laughs> that is another pick of the week from me. Check out um, this little known artist called Rachmaninoff. If you like oh. your Russian romanticism, <laughs> go for it. Well, okay, um, well, I bring the tone down a bit more and uh, I'd be listening to this Sacramento artist called Hobo Johnson, who's playing here in January. Awesome. Very divisive, I'm sure. Uh, I want to check it out and see what you think of it. Okay. Um, he has this kind of spoken word um, style that I'm sure a lot of people will find very annoying. Okay. Uh, he's playing in Vicar Street in January, so he's played here before. I didn't even cop it originally, but uh, he's been playing in Vicar Street in January. He has a band called The Love Makers, and he's a couple of songs called Romeo and Juliet and Peach Peach uh, Scone. Okay. I just did a Tiny Desk concert. Um, so Lo- I love those. So watch that and report back. I will. That can be and, my homework. Uh, yeah. So. Um, that's it from us I think this week the only yes. other thing I would say is that um, we announced uh, the return of Future Proof the uh, new music series with myself and Homebeat 
And the first one happens in the Bellow Bar on uh, Thursday, October 25th. Uh, and we have Orla Gartland, um, Kit Philippa and Gadget and the Cloud. Three really good female artists who are doing great things. And uh, we are indeed going to finish with one of the tunes from uh, the artists uh, who are playing that gig. If you're looking for tickets for that, they're on Eventbrite. Um, and you can find links on all the 99 pages, um, Future Proof. Um, and we're going to finish with a song from Orla Gartland. It is called I Go Crazy, um, which the esteemed publication Pop Justice called uh, Stevie Nicks inspired Subtle Banger. Subtle banger. It's a nice thing. Um, so there you go. Um, that's it for us this week. We'll be back next week with more podcast uh, goodness. And until then, thank you so much and uh, talk to you next week. Bye. I've got no clue what you're thinking. You move your hand away from mine. The shifty eyes and indecisions. What does this happen every time? Oh, won't somebody hold me and tell me it'll all work out? Say that there's nothing to worry about now Cause I'm so sick of the drama and I hate to shout But you drag it out of me
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.